Could you explain for me what the Red Panda Act is? Um, the Red Panda Acrobat is a uh, act described called unicycle bow flipping. You balance on the unicycle with one foot and then put the uh, rice bowls on I want the to introduce you to Rong Yu, and you probably aren't familiar with her birth name. But if you're a fan of the NBA, you already know what it is that she does. Uh, rice bowls stuck high up to my knee and flip into the air and catch with my head. Uh. <laughs> it's very matter of fact how you describe it, Rong, but... It is truly absurd. For the past 30 years, Rong has toured arenas all over the country and all around the world, performing her act countless times. But in the world of the NBA, she has legitimately become a legend, thanks to an act that employs a seven and a half foot tall unicycle, a stack of white bowls, and not much else. And also, what kind of shoes are you wearing? It's important to point this out. Oh, <laughs> I wore a heel. <laughs> That's funny. It's very interesting you mentioned that. I uh, have never had much people mention that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, this is one of the most impressive things that will happen on a basketball court. An NBA halftime by rule lasts just 15 minutes. Players have to leave the court, fans rush off to the bathroom, grab another beer. It should, in theory, be the least exciting part of the game. But for three decades, one woman has made those 15 minutes a can't-miss event. So today, on the precipice of the NBA playoffs, we bring you the story of the most clutch performer in basketball, a story that needs to be told by the Red Panda, Wrong You, herself. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Friday, April 8th. This is ESPN Daily. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So I am incredibly honored, excited, probably arguably more than any other guest I've had on ESPN Daily before. Wrong you. I'm going to say that to you because I have been watching you for years. You are the Red Panda. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my God. Um, my... <laughs> Honor is mine. It's all mine. I am uh, so humbled. Thank you so much for having me. 
I think for our listeners to properly visualize exactly what you do wrong and for them to understand exactly what you do, we should talk about how you actually learn to do what you do. And I know you were born in the province of Shaanxi in northern China. So take us back to the beginning first. How did all of this start for you? I am a fourth generation acrobat. So my from my mother's side, my both my parents are acrobatic. Um, my dad taught me. My dad taught me the um, the act. Started at a seven year old. Um, seven years old is when you first started doing this act. Yes, uh, uh, learning. Start learning the act. Seven years. First, you balance the balls. I balance the balls on top of my head, and then learn how to ride a unicycle, and then uh, how to. Uh, flubbing the bowls and put the bowls on my foot and try to balance and then everything gets better and put them together. That's the process my dad taught me. So when you're learning to flip the bowls from your foot onto your head and you're adding one, then two, then three, then four, then five, uh, what was that like in terms of just progressing and increasing that number? How did you even sort of gain the confidence to do that? What was that like for you? This actually is a traditional acrobatic uh, act in most of uh, uh, mainland China. But the traditional way of doing it is uh, they put the balls on the leg in the same direction. And then they will put a plate, they put a cup and put a saucer. One time when I was trying and then my dad says, well, maybe we can just try something different. We put the balls in a different direction and then we tried it. This is where we need to visualize because rather than stack the bowls like you or I would in our kitchen cabinet, one inside the other saving space, Rong and her father built an alternating tower of bowls. The first bowl upside down, balanced on the tip of her foot. And then the second bowl right side up on top of that first bowl, and then they put the third bowl upside down on top of that. The fourth bowl goes right side up. And the fifth bowl is upside down. And this Jenga tower is what Rong flips from her foot onto her head with one single kick. One time I was lucky. It went in. We were surprised. We were so surprised. And then I was my dad surprised. And then we just keep on practice. Once I get two pretty good quickly, and then we get the Dui. And Dui is much starting getting much more difficult. It took incredible amounts of time and practice to master this skill. Rong started with just a couple bowls. And then she'd incrementally add more to the stack. The fourth would just take one year to get better. And then take a more time for the fifth. Each, each time you're adding more, it gets much more difficult. Every morning in the same time, I would get up for the same thing and then kind of like a boy, <laughs> I would say. And then you won't see a daily basis of improvement, but three months you turn over, yeah, there's quite a bit of improvement. Year later, there's a lot of improvement. To train a kid to learn how to do this wrong, it's obviously difficult, and your dad is the person who taught you. What was his personality like? How did that sort of shape your training? Very straight. Um, very consistent. He's a very, yeah, he's a tough guy. <laughs> I, I used to kind of like, a, um, kind of like, a, oh my God, he's here. I had to, you know, 
try my best because he will. He has his ways to push you to. Sometimes I feel like, oh, can't wait to have a day break, or I want to give up, and he will ask you, you really want to give up? I mean, you. It just makes you feel like, oh no, I don't. I I want to keep on going. Behind the toughness, there's so much caring and pushing and trying to make me something different. <laughs> so when a bowl would fall and your dad is is a tough coach, what's that like? Oh my gosh, he has a back problem. If her dad's toughness and strictness weren't enough pressure for Rong, his bad back raised the stakes of every training session. At the beginning, if I uh, flip a five, and none of them will go in. That's five times he's bending his back, and then handed to me. Um, if I do a fifty times in the morning and thirty times in the um, in the afternoon, that's countless time for him to pick up balls. In the fireplace, you you pick up the coal and put. They bake scissors a little longer. <laughs> he started using that to pick up the balls that are, you know, in a, help him out a little bit. Those scissors, those fireplace tongs, really, that her dad would use to pick up fallen bowls, were evidence to wrong that her act really required two people, not one. And it wound up taking four whole years in all to learn the act under her dad's tutelage. But she got so good at it that she won a spot in a government training program for acrobats, eventually putting her in a troupe that toured across China. And at age 18, she joined the Taiyuan Acrobats, this group that performed all over the globe, including the United States, which opened her eyes to a new world. Back then, at that time, um, China is very different. Without government's permission, I cannot go to a different city to live or work or anything like it. Come to America, I sense this uh, differentness. I mean, basically, the opportunity is endless. And also, maybe because of the culture is different, and Chinese were more uh, hold back when you perform, they, were, they like it, but they just clubbing hands. That was pretty much it. In America, they, they're very different. Same like I appreciate a lot more. In my lifetime, I perform in China. I have never gotten a standing ovation for the same act. But uh, in America, uh, I didn't quite understand at first. Uh, oh my God, they're all standing up clubbing. Uh, I didn't quite understand and until the PA announcer explained it to me. They like you even more. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. It makes me, my tears almost went out um, that time. They are screaming, they're whistling, and then they're clapping louder. And then it's just uh, totally different. And then I do make a mistake a lot of times. But guess what? They encouraging me. They clubbing. Mm. You can do it. You can do it. I gotta say, when I watch you perform and I've seen the videos of you performing, 
Part of what makes it special is how much the crowd is there with you. Everybody is sort of rooting for the same thing. It really does make all of it feel like a really special, like human connection. Yes, I, I am very, yeah, very humbled. <laughs> By 1991, Rong left the Taiyuan Acrobats and packed up her unicycle and her bowls and decided to set out on her own. She moved to Chinatown in San Francisco. I remember first time I landed to San Francisco. Yeah, I need a place to practice. You know, the unicycle is a uh, uh, seven and a half. Rong's unicycle is seven and a half feet tall, and she's flipping these bowls over her head, which means she needs somewhere with especially high ceilings to practice. After I get onto the unicycle and flooding balls to the air, at least 15 feet. Mm. Otherwise, I cannot practice. I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad if I don't practice for too long. I start going to hospitals and then uh, like a church or different. I went to many different church, many different hospitals. I say, I can perform for you for your holidays coming just to perform for the patients and then for little entertainments. They say, sure. And then I said, free. And later uh, I asked, I wasn't, I mean, it's kind of like stupid. I mean, to ask the hospital, can I practice? No, you can't. Patients here needs to be <laughs> <laughs> quiet. And then I, then I turned around to ask different church. And then this uh, church at the Quintara on 19. Um, In San Francisco. Yes. Yes. In San Francisco. So I said, okay, uh, in the 13 hours, you can. And then I was so grateful. In America, you decide to call yourself the Red Panda. Yes. And this is not a thing you had been calling yourself when you were a kid growing up in China. Why did you start calling yourself Red Panda? Uh, actually, the name was hopped uh, uh, by people from uh, Chinatown in, China, uh, in San Francisco. I would just call myself unicycle bowl flipping. Unicycle bowl flipping, <laughs> wrong, is not necessarily the catchiest name. I got to admit. Yes. And that's what, what I've been suggested. I say, okay. And then they say, well, red color, everybody likes in China. Chinese loves red color. Um, they say, um, that is the animal of the national animal in China. And then there's a... Uh, how about put red panda together? It sounds pretty good too. And then red panda acrobat, it goes pretty full. I say, okay, I don't really know that much. I say, okay, that's great. <laughs> Wait, so, so you're living in San Francisco. It's around 1993. It's the night before Thanksgiving. And you get this phone call that changes your entire life. Who called you? A uh, agency, uh, his name's uh, Ron Clark. At the time, he also booking um, halftime entertainments for um, NBA games. I sent him a videotape like maybe a year or two. I can't remember. Back then was a videotape. I sent him the tape and I never heard it back. I think uh, one of his acts scheduled on that evening for Thanksgiving Day uh, was not able to make it for some reason. And suddenly I got a call from him. Uh, he said, well, do you want to perform tomorrow? 
I say, sure, I would love to. Of course, any chance. And then I'm like, for what? And what's NBA? <laughs> National Basketball Association. I still don't understand. I say, just playing basketball. And、uh, I say, okay, I go. <laughs> That was the first time they start checking my balls, checking my unicycle, and、uh, am I going to hurt the court, hurt the floors? Right. Yeah, they don't know me. I don't know the NBA either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I got there、uh, early, and then we did some rehearsal, and then I was performing. And I got a, like a three standing ovation. I I was so <laughs> shaking. I was just speechless. I was so happy. And then after I got home, and then surely I start getting more calls. After the break, Rong keeps answering her phone, taking her on a journey through the NBA. That. Transforms her into a star, and tests her at her most difficult moment. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by Nitsa. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. One of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over ten percent of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends, or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is. Not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Wrong. This choice you made to move to America could not have been easy. How did that go over in your family? How did they feel about you building this life for yourself in the U.S.? My dad is a conservative, and、uh, he didn't really support me to、um, come outside of the country to perform permanently. After I.、Um, Brought him to one of uh, my uh, uh, perform at the Warriors. That was years ago.、Uh, he saw the reaction is different than China. He was、uh, feel the same. He says it, it's unbelievable. He、uh, he was a total surprise too. And then later he gradually start changing more and more. Yeah. yeah. 
Rong went on to become a U.S. citizen, and she convinced both her parents to immigrate to America, where they got to witness a pretty unparalleled trajectory. Because Rong became a favorite not just to fans, but to the players, the ones who'd greet her year after year on their way to the locker room at halftime. But her most special relationship was with the arena workers, because they would take the place of her father as the second person interact, the person throwing the bowls to her. All of which means that Rong has to balance herself atop her giant unicycle and also catch bowls from varyingly freaked out amateurs as she first kicks just one bowl up and onto her head and then doubles it, kicking two bowls and then adds three and then four and then five. until there are a grand total of 16 bowls on that Jenga tower now resting on her head. Do you still get nervous beforehand? Before you do your act, do you still feel that nervous energy that you did when you first started doing this? It's a very good question. Uh, Believe or not, uh, I always do. Every single time, each game, sometimes more, sometimes less, um, especially um, when I uh, have uh, missed the previous game, then I feel this eager to do better or to do well and makes more nervous. But once I get onto the unicycle, I feel better. Yeah, I feel better. But as much as Rong has learned to deal with the pressures of a public job where any tiny mistake can cause the whole tower to come crashing down, there was a period where she was not able to perform. Because in 2013, her life took a turn. I heard the diagnose about my dad. Diagnose cancer. We don't know how bad it was. And then we learned that he's not going to last long. And I asked for stopping because um, I can't, I just can't um, focus on performing and leave my dad there because he's the one that helped and create and basically he's not a part of this act. Um, Yeah, it was very sad. My dad went through all those chemos. Um, I didn't perform or work or practice. Um, was uh, helping my dad going through the intensive treatment. And then after I didn't perform, continue taking care of my dad and help out until he passed away. You'd said that your dad was very strict, but I imagine that by the end, his feelings changed in terms of what he was able to show you and what you were able to feel from him as someone who by then had come to America and obviously showed the world what you could do. Yeah, he, um, he, he's in some ways, I'm sorry, um, proud. 
Um, yeah. Sorry. No, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, he he's uh, uh yeah uh he went to uh a uh, a lot more in China than me. Um, he have a different experience than what I had. Um, he uh, sorry. You can hear in there how much the loss of her father remains really difficult to think about still today. And at the time, because of her dad's illness and eventual passing, Rong didn't perform for two years. She couldn't. And when she finally returned in 2015, it took some time to find her groove again. She remembers one night watching a highlight reel the Chicago Bulls were playing on the Jumbotron during her introduction. And just feeling overcome. Chicago made a little short tape right before I get onto the court and then they are playing and for some reason I just lost it again. Uh, I all my makeup were gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh about it now but at the time I imagine this is you're feeling like this is an out of body experience that you don't yeah. It's very hard to balance all to balance the bowls, but also your emotions. Yeah, they're showing that on the uh, video, and then uh, showing all these years that I was there, and then uh, my tears were just uh, yeah, so much appreciation so to the fans and so much uh, support from them, and um, I just completely lost. The- as her performances over the years literally flashed before her eyes, Rong couldn't help but think of the person who made it all possible. A man who was no longer there. But a few years later, in 2018, Rong discovered that despite this hole in her immediate family, she was finding genuine, meaningful support from other places. And that discovery actually started with another bit of misfortune. Flying from uh, Dayton to San Francisco uh, landed just like any other day, and everybody off the plane goes to uh, back him, climb the bags. And I didn't say mine. I still standing there waiting. The bag holding her custom seven and a half foot unicycle, a bag she had checked and picked up at hundreds of airports without incident, was missing. I got the ticket and I asked the, um, the service and the service said that, uh, well, just wait and let's check. And then they say, oh, maybe rerouted somewhere else. They couldn't find it. So I start getting nervous after um, four or five hours and I finally exhausted. I went back home. The second day I came early again to the airport and then they start looking and then still couldn't find it. So I report to the airport police. The police examined the security footage and what happened to her bag became undeniably clear. As soon the bag dropped and a male uh, with a ponytail picked up the bag, put on the car. So somebody stole, this guy came by and just stole your unicycle. 
he was waiting of according to the camera, and he was waiting for the bag were supposed to be dropped. He already prepared a pushing cart for the luggage cart. Oh wow! He put he took the bag off the carousel, put onto the cart, and walked. Less than thirty seconds, he was all of the camera side. Did Did you ever get your unicycle back? Not really. Oh no. She's an NBA fan favorite, and she needs your help to try to find her seven-foot-tall unicycle. This is who we're looking for, suspected of taking the suitcase with the unicycle inside. The unicycle Rong uses is not something you can just order off of, like, Amazon. It's custom-built, and it's safe to say that her ponytailed thief got away with an object that is unusually expensive to replace. I had to cancel the next couple of games, and then uh, my agency said, "Well, you have to do something. We have all the because it was January, and then February, March. All those busy schedules were laid up months ago." Uh, my agency said, "You can't keep on canceling. We already canceled down the road for two days." And then I started go to the garage looking for those old parts, old parts of the unicycle. I tried to put them together. Some of the lengths are not exactly the same from the seat to the paddle. Um, You're trying to rebuild the, your unicycle from scrap parts. Right, from the old broken parts. Rong did her best to Frankenstein together a functional unicycle that happens to be the height of an NBA center, but the spare mismatched parts didn't exactly align together, which created a problem. So the unicycle isn't very, very comfortable. That's the nicest way to put it. <laughs> Basically very hard to ride. And I was performing at the Clemson, Clemson University with the first game of the old unicycle put together. Oh my God, I cannot make it. I cannot even do the four bowls and the five bowls. I still feel so bad to Clemson to this day. And after I came back uh, hotel, and this is already late night, I, I went to Walmart, get more tools, trying to just, trying the best I can to fix this unicycle. My agent was keep on calling me. I said, don't bother me. I'm fixing this thing. But he's keep on calling me. I said, okay, I pick up the phone. He said, warrior. Warrior wants to offer you to get a, a new unicycle for you. The Golden State Warriors, the hometown team of Rong's adopted home, the San Francisco Bay Area, were offering to make her whole again. I was so like a cold-hearted person stealing my unicycle. I was tears down and then and angry and upset and fixing and then Oh my God, again, I my tear come down again, but it was joy. I, I felt like there are so much more people care and loving than just this one person. Still, I was fixing, but I was much happier, delighted. Um, world was a changer again for me. <laughs> but the, gold, the Golden State Warriors call you, the president of basketball operations at the time, Rick Welts. Yes. They, they lead this campaign to get you a new custom unicycle. She has such a connection to the Bay Area. Uh, to have this happen at San Francisco International Airport uh, was, was heartbreaking. 
The bunch of us were just sitting around bemoaning what had happened and thinking there ought to be something we can do. We could, we could just get her a new unicycle. We found out it's the world's most expensive piece of bicycle machinery. Uh, but even after knowing that, we said we got to do it. I much appreciate it. Thanks, warriors. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I can never forget for my entire life. The Warriors are proud to present Red Panda with her new unicycle. Not only the unicycle, it's the support, it's the thought, it's the kindness. It was the kind of gesture that reflects a life lived inside NBA arenas over decades. And the place that Rong earned in the basketball community. Bowl by bowl, by bowl, by bowl, by bowl. They could not imagine the game continuing on without her. Which got me thinking about a different kind of building. Because there is a certain institution in Springfield, Massachusetts, whose stated mission is to honor and celebrate basketball's greatest moments and people. So before we ended our conversation, there was one more thing I had to tell her. I think you deserve to be the center of a basketball hall of fame campaign. I mean, I think to a lot of people, you're the greatest halftime act of all time. And I'm curious, is the basketball hall of fame, is that something you've even thought about? Because I think that is deserved, honestly. I'm not sure, but I'm humbled. And thank you. Uh, I'm very thankful. I hope uh, um, this may be my opportunity to thank you for everybody to give me all those support for all those years. And Rong, it doesn't seem like you're done yet. I mean, you're performing. We'll see you hopefully in the postseason, in the NBA playoffs. And, you know, there have been rumors about retirement, but it doesn't seem like the feeling of performing in front of a crowd and getting that standing ovation and people cheering for you, it seems like you're not, you're, you don't have to give that up just yet. Um, I uh, still very much enjoying performing. We see what happens, but um, I know that uh, for sure I will keep on practice even I don't perform anymore. I just, uh, I don't know what to say. It's kind of like a part of my life. Um, if I don't practice, uh, when I have chance, I feel like something is messy. <laughs> if that makes sense or not. Yeah. Wait, so, but you're saying that you actually have contemplated retiring and that even if you were to retire, that you would still be practicing yes. just for yourself. Just for myself. Rong Yu, the Red Panda, the future Hall of Famer, thank you so much for spending time with us on ESPN Daily. Thank you so much. My honor to be here. Thanks to all. Thank you. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, Andy Tennant, Eve Tro, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Andre Soto, Christian Gardner, Abu Kamara, 
and Jackson Agelow. I'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>